Good morning. Love you, church. Thank you so much. Love you all. Thank you. All right, you can take your seats. I feel like I should be saying, good morning, Valley Family Church. Who's ready to worship? So saying good morning in just a normal tone is kind of weird, to be honest with you all. But just want to say good morning to those watching online, friends and family. Thanks for joining us. And a special hello to our pastors, pastors Eric and Alexa. Thank you so much for trusting me. This is such a great honor, and I'm so privileged to be here standing before our church family to share the word of God. I love you both so much. Whew. Who's ready for a great morning? I hope. All right, you're the 1115, so you guys got more sleep, okay? Hallelujah. What a month we've had at our church. I love that we're taking time this month to start the new year with an emphasis on worship. This month's series is called Oil and Overflow. And uh, how many of you were with us at our worship night last Sunday night? Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. If, if you know, you know, right? It was so good, so rich. The presence of God was so good. I'm just excited for what God has in store for 2024. I believe we're starting the year off right, focusing on him and just watching what he's going to do. I'm so excited for what's in store for this year. So today I have the privilege of wrapping up our series and I'm a worship leader. I'm a worship guy. So of course I'm more comfortable singing than I am speaking. So before pastors Eric Alexa left, I asked them, I said, Hey, would it be okay if I sing the sermon rather than speak it. And they unfortunately said no. So, but that's all right. Obviously worship is a huge passion of mine, but I need to tell you, it's not because it's my job. I'm passionate about worship because I'm passionate about Jesus, about who we represent when we're on this platform every Sunday. We're not entertaining y'all, right? We're not putting on a performance. And it's easy to get caught up in that when you walk into church and you see all the lights and all this cool stuff. And it's all great. There's nothing wrong with it. But the But the beauty of worship is you can strip all of that away. And worship is not an event. It's not a concert. It's not a conference. It's not a genre or a brand. Worship is a person and his name is Jesus. And that's, it's as simple as that. So let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you in Jesus name. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp onto our feet, a light onto our path. Holy Spirit, thank you for confirming your word this morning. You are the teacher. We lean into you. God, I bring what I have. I place it in your hands, Lord, that you would multiply it and send it out and that your word would not return void, God. Thank you for teaching us how to live life with you, not just Sunday, but every day, Lord. We, it, it, it is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of faith life that we live, Lord God. Help us to take what we learn from here into our week, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everyone who agreed said, Amen. Well, it was the morning of January the 13th, 2024. It was actually just two weeks ago. And it was Saturday morning right after that big snowstorm. How many remember that? Two weeks ago, we had that massive snowstorm. That was a lot of fun, huh? And I'm looking out my window and my four kids are looking out our window. We're all looking out the window together, all the snow we just got. And my kids, when they look out the window... They see a fun day of play ahead for them. When I look out my window, I see my driveway. And I see that we can't leave the house until I clean up that snow. So what do I do? I put on my winter gear. I grab my snowblower. I head outside. Now, how do we remember the snow we got? It was not that fluffy, powdery stuff. It wasn't the easy snow. No, 
It was the thick, heavy, wet snow that is not fun to move, that is not fun to get rid of, that breaks your back if you're shoveling or snow blowing, right? And I'm out there with my snowblower and I'm pushing with all I've got and I'm struggling and I'm making very little progress and I am frustrated and I'm thinking, okay, the engine is running. No one can hear me right now. So I start yelling. I hate the snow. I hate this driveway. Why do we live in Michigan? God, why? And I thought nobody could hear me, but little did I know my wife, Amber, who has the ears of a bat. She had our window open so she could talk to the kids outside. They're having a great time. They're sledding. They're having a great time out in the snow. And I'm over in the driveway just struggling. And she she hears me. And she comes over and out the window, she yells back at me. Because, again, she knows, this is two weeks ago, that I'm going to be standing before our church in a couple weeks talking about worship. So she comes over and she yells at me and she says, Hey, how about you quit complaining and start praising? And I'm like, oh, no, no. How many know, husbands, how many know our wives can read our minds? They know exactly how we feel. I wish it worked the other way around. That would give me a, a, a lot of messes, let me tell you. But she knew exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. And I was more frustrated. I'm like, fine, if you want praising, I'll keep praising. I'll be praised now here till midnight and how long this has taken me. But I wasn't out there till midnight, praise God. Eventually the snow got done and it took a while. And then I had to ice my back afterwards, but it was all good. <laughs> but I was so thankful because in that moment, that would have been a great opportunity for the enemy to have stolen my joy. But I had to shift my perspective onto him. It reminds me of what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. If you're taking notes, the title of today's message is simply this, living in overflow, even at midnight. Come on now. What does that look like? How does that work? Two ways we're gonna look at. Number one, worship is the way in how we live. And number two, worship makes a way in what God does. Now, our main text for today is Acts chapter 16. You can turn there. If you've got your Bibles, we'll have it on the screen as well. And this is the story of the Apostle Paul. Who is the Apostle Paul? He is an apostle for Jesus in the early days of the church. He's credited with writing almost half the New Testament. And he took several missionary journeys. And on these missionary journeys, he was planting churches. People were getting saved, healed, delivered, set free. There was amazing things that were happening and the church was growing. And this is his second missionary journey, him and his buddy Silas. And they come to a town called Philippi. Everybody say Philippi. And at Philippi, they're met with opposition. How many know when you're doing God's work, you're going to be met with opposition? And so let's pick up here in verse 22. It says, then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, but at midnight, every say midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. 
there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and brought, and, and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. What an amazing story. What a turn of events. Like, I love this story. I love every detail of this story. Every detail is important. Every person mentioned is important. So everybody say, Paul was there. And Silas was there too. So let's talk about this story. I want us to imagine this scene for a moment. And actually, here in a minute, we're going to turn all the lights off. So I just want to pre-warn you, don't be afraid. It's part of the message, okay? But we're going to dim the lights here soon. But Paul and Silas, they're sitting together and they're probably sitting like this and they have their feet out like this and they're stocked together. How many know they're not going anywhere, right? And the thing you have to understand is the conditions of this prison. It was not like modern prisons. It was dark. It was cold. It was uncomfortable. They had to deal with rats. There was no plumbing. It's likely they had to sit in their own sewage. And it was a very uncomfortable and terrible situation for them to be in. So I want us to imagine this. What would that be like? It's dark. It's midnight. So Aaron, go ahead and turn those lights down. Our lights are going down. All right, don't fall asleep on me now, church. Stay with me. Stay with me. And now imagine that you're one of the other prisoners. You're sitting in your cell. You've heard about these two men from Jerusalem who caused such a ruckus earlier today. And it's quiet and it's lonely. And you're just left with your thoughts. But then all of a sudden you hear a faint sound coming from down the corridor. It's those two men. And you can't quite make out what they're saying. So you listen in closer. And it sounds a lot like singing. And it intrigues you. It pulls you in. And so you listen even closer. And the singing, it probably sounded something like this. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'll raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. And then suddenly you feel the ground beneath your feet start to shake 
and you see the doors in front of you open and those chains that were around you, you feel just fall right off of you. And then the jailer is completely freaked out by this whole scene. He frantically grabs a light and runs in to see what's going on. All right, the lights can come back up now. How is it that Paul and Silas could do this? Where did that come from? Were they just bored trying to pass the time, just entertain themselves? Or was it? No, they're these super Christians, right? They're just more spiritual than the rest of us. What was different about them? My question for all of us today, this morning, church, is we all face crisis, but what comes out of you at midnight? I'm not talking about 12 a.m. I'm talking about when your back is against the wall and you've got nowhere else to turn to. What comes out of you? And the reality is, is what comes out of you is what you put in. And what Paul and Silas had put in was worship. Because there was an overflow of worship and praise and thanksgiving that came out of them. So how do we live this life of overflow even at midnight? Number one, worship is the way. Everybody say, worship is the way. In order to overflow, you have to be what? Full. So how do we get full? Ephesians 5 tells us, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything. Everything? Everything. That coworker who drives me nuts on Mondays, everything. Those kids that won't listen to me half the time, everything. That car that that doesn't want to start in the morning, everything. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a direct correlation between worship and being full of him. We can fill ourselves with a lot of other things. Our money, our own self-worth, our insecurities, our anxieties, our fears. But how many know, church, when you're already full of him and those things come knocking at your door, fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, stress, you can slam that door shut and say, there's no room here for you because I'm already full. I'm already so satisfied in my Jesus. There is no room for you. So back to Paul and Silas in their suffering, in their waiting, in the face of uncertainty, they didn't complain. They weren't singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. They didn't try to come up with an escape plan. They weren't mad at God. They didn't demand justice. What was done to them was unjust. But they didn't demand justice. They didn't ask around for the other prisoners. Hey, anybody got a guitar around here? Anybody know how to, uh, anybody know how to turn the lights on? Anybody got a favorite tune? No. They didn't wait till the vibe was right. They had a decision to make. And they didn't have any of this stuff. When all was stripped away from them, their freedom, their dignity, their comfort, all they had left was the very breath in their lungs and a choice to make. And we share two things with every single human being. We have breath in our bodies and a choice in how we use it. Psalm 45.1 says this. I love this. My heart is overflowing. There's that word again. With a good theme, I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I love that. There is something about being ready. 
locked and loaded, not trying to play catch up when crisis hits, but having your heart already full. See, for Paul and Silas, they weren't going to wait till the morning. They knew the time was now. And this was just a pattern of life. This is how they lived. Worship was their life. It was just what naturally came out of them. And when that midnight hour pressed in on them from the outside, what came out of them from the inside was what they had been putting in long before they were thrown in that prison. It was worship. It was as if they couldn't help it. They just couldn't contain it. Psalm 34, 1. I love this verse. Man, if you leave with anything today, just write this verse down. Get it tatted somewhere on your body. Whatever you got to do to remember this. This is what we're talking about today. Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just when I feel like it. Not just when I feel more spiritual. Not just when the vibe is right. (laughs) Especially when I don't feel like it. That's the best time to start praising him. That is the best time to start praising him. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Listen, whether you are on the mountaintop and life's going great, or there's a mountain in front of you, it's an every hour, every day kind of praise. This is the life of overflow that I'm talking about. It's the way of life, even at midnight. He is still worthy of your worship. So this week, church, here's what I want you to remember. I'm going to come over here. You're probably wondering, wondering what this is all about. And no, it's not because I'm getting thirsty. This is a simple sermon illustration. I've got three things here, okay? I've got a bowl, a cup, and a pitcher of water. Okay, very simple. And this bowl represents your life, okay? Right here. This is all the demands of life. This is the moment you wake up every morning to the moment you go to bed at night is right here. All the things that pull from you, all the things that demand your time, your energy, your attention, all the things that drain you. They're not bad things, but they just require you. This cup is you. It represents your, all of your gauges, your spiritual health, your mental health, your emotional health. How are you doing? And how many know so many times in life we're running on empty, right? This pitcher of water is Jesus. And when we worship him, when we come to him, he fills us up, right? And it doesn't have to be on Sunday mornings. This could be on our way to work tomorrow morning. When you jump in your car and you're driving to work, you throw on some worship music. This could be while you're putting away laundry in the mundane things. This could be while you're studying for that exam coming up. You can worship him. And so what happens is we come to him and we get filled up. He gives us his supply, all that we need. And then life happens and it just spills out. Life pulls from us. It's just natural, right? So we go back and we worship him some more. And then life happens again. And we just keep repeating the process over and over again. So many of us live life this way. I've lived life uh, so often this way. And I think we've led ourselves to believe that this is how it works. We just come to God when we're empty. But God says, no, I want to do life with you. So here's what that looks like. Now, in case you missed it. Let me just explain what just happened. There was a constant flow that remained. It was a pouring in and an overflow. And life still got what it needed from you, but you stayed full. That's what life with Jesus looks like. And listen, 
He's not trying to pull you away from life's demands. He knows you have a family to raise. You've got a job to go to. You've got bills to pay. You've got tests to study for. He wants you to be the best mom you can be to those kids, to be the best employee you can be, to be the best husband, to be the best student, athlete, whatever you are, whatever it is that you do, Jesus just wants to come alongside you. He's not looking to take all that from you. He wants you to just include him in your everyday life. This will transform, this will transform how you live and how you worship because your life and worship are no longer separate, but one as God intended it to be. It'll be like breathing. It'll just be like, it's just natural. It's just a natural response. It's how we live life. We don't even have to think about it. Worship is the way. So if worship is the way, the number two, worship makes a way. It's what God does. Are you in need of direction? Are you in need of wisdom? Are you in need of healing? When we worship, we come together with Jesus. We connect with him in his presence. Can I tell you that it was in moments of worship where God spoke to me and showed me that he was a loving father and that I was his son? That was breakthrough for me. I needed that. It was in moments of worship that God showed me what he put me on the earth to do when I was lacking direction. It was moments of worship where God gave me wisdom on what to do. Are you in need of wisdom? Maybe tomorrow morning, maybe this week, you're going to work and you need wisdom for a situation. Maybe you need wisdom for your kids, how to raise kids. I've got four young kids. I I know how challenging it is. I need wisdom every day. I'd be a fool to do that apart from Jesus. Why would I do that? Why would we live life without him when he has so much for us? Come on. It was in moments of worship where I experienced breakthrough, where God spoke to me about marrying my wife, Amber. It was moments in worship where where, where, where I received forgiveness, but I was able to extend forgiveness to others and get free. And let me be clear, we don't worship to get something from God. That's not the goal. We worship simply to shift our focus and our attention back onto him. Psalm 34, three says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I want you to think about your next week coming up. So tomorrow, What challenges are you facing? What challenges are you already aware of that you're going into this week with? Or what are some challenges that maybe you're not even aware of yet? I've got these binoculars here, all right? And my sister's sitting right there on the front row, and she's sitting super close to me. But if I look at her through the wrong side of these binoculars, how many know she looks really small right now and really far away? But if I look through here, whoa, right? What am I talking about? Which side, of the, which side of the binoculars are you looking at God through? Which side of the binoculars are you looking at your problem through? We magnify the Lord, not the problem. We magnify the promise keeper, not the problem. We magnify the answer, not the problem. Now, when we magnify the Lord, does that mean our problems just vanish away? No. But what that does is it creates space for God to come in and do life with us and for God to do a move and a work in our situation, whatever that is. It shifts our focus from God. I want this. I need this. I want, I want, I need, I need. I want a promotion at work. I need healing, whatever that is. It shifts us off of 
I want to you are. God, you are. You are my provider. You are my healer. You are all that I need. That shift in your perspective will change your life forever. I promise you that. Watch how that transforms your everyday life. Watch how you'll be happier. You'll have more joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. When we stay connected to him, his joy, his peace. How many know that speaks? That speaks volumes to people. I love that worship releases control. How many of you know, sometimes when we're in situations, we like to be in control. We try to work it out on our own without God. God, I don't need your help. I got this one. I got this one. But what worship does is it takes our hands and it goes like this. And we say, God, no, you're in control. I'm trusting you with this. This is beyond me. I don't know what to do with this situation. So I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. It's a pattern of life. It's how we live. God inhabits the praises of his people. God comes where he's welcomed. When we worship, we bring God onto the scene. And listen, I guarantee Paul and Silas did not know what was going to happen that night. It's not like Silas looked over at Paul and he was like, hey, Paul, you know, I've been thinking. I'll bet if we start singing, there's going to be an earthquake. And Paul looks over and Silas says, Silas, you're a genius. That's why you're here, buddy. That's not what happened. (laughs) They were not the least bit concerned about what was going to happen to them in that moment. In that moment, they were so in love with Jesus, so satisfied in him, just in his presence. It did not matter what happened next. They were not concerned about that. And when Paul is silent, When Paul and Silas sang, the Bible says the other prisoners were listening. That's a key detail. Everybody say, Paul was there. Silas was there. The other prisoners were there too. Your overflow not only waters you, but it waters those around you. It nourishes those around you. You bring God onto the scene, watch what happens. The other prisoners were listening. They were drawn to it. And that word listening in the Greek, I'm not going to pronounce it. It's on the screen. But that word means to listen attentively. This isn't just, oh, that was a nice song. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Those Christians. Yeah. No, that wasn't it. It was, whoa, there is something on that. And I don't even know what it is but I'm drawn to it. It might not even be on key or sound good, but there's something on that. And it was the presence of God that drew them in. They didn't even know. I don't know that Jesus that they're singing about, but there is something on that. I just can't help but notice and my heart is pulled in. And if I didn't know any better, I'd say the ground beneath my feet is starting to shake. If I didn't know any better, I'd say that door that was closed is beginning to open. If I didn't know any better, I'd say those chains are beginning to feel loose. There's something happening. There's a shift taking place when they worshiped. Paul and Silas had this little worship service in their cell. The other prisoners weren't even participating, but they were listening. They were engaged. Second Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
in that moment, church, do you know those prisoners experienced more freedom sitting inside their prison than they ever did outside of prison. It was the presence of God. Two people can sit through the same service on Sunday, listen to the same message, experience the same worship, and yet experience two completely different things when they leave church. Why? What's the difference? One listens with their ears. The other listens attentively with their heart. My prayer this morning, as I'm speaking to you, you're hearing the sound of my voice through your ears, but my prayer is that in your heart, you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and he's showing you things and he's lighting things up on the inside of you. And there's revelation coming on the inside of you when you hear his voice. So then what happened? Suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors, not just Paul and Silas, but all the doors were open and everyone's chains, not just Paul and Silas's, everyone's chains were loosed. Oh, the presence of God has the power to shake things up within you, open doors before you, loosen chains off of you. And we can't forget about the jailer. Everyone say, Paul was there. Silas was there. The other prisoners were there. And the jailer was there too. What absolutely blows my mind about the ending of this story is everyone's doors and chains were open and loosed. That would have been the perfect time for those other prisoners to shout, prison break, we're out of here, boys. Right? But they didn't do that. That's not what happened. Everyone stood still. No one left. Why? The presence of God was so rich in that moment. Everyone was just in holy awe and fear at what they had just witnessed. The presence of God stopped them right where they were at. Nobody moved. It was wild. And that simple act was enough to bring the jailer to his knees. And he and his whole family got saved that night. What's the conclusion of the matter? Paul and Silas sat in prison, but the prison wasn't sitting in them. The jailer was the keeper of the prison, but there was a prison keeping him. I'm going to read that again. Paul and Silas sat in prison, but the prison wasn't sitting in them. The jailer was the keeper of the prison, but there was a prison keeping him. And I can tell you that amongst all the wild stuff that they saw that night, The life change of the jailer and his family was the greatest miracle that they witnessed. What started with overflow ended in life change. What seemed like a prison actually was Paul and Silas's assignment. God knew there was a jailer there who didn't know him yet. And God did a work and God moved. And I want you to know God wants to bring life change to you to your family, to your workplace, to your school, whatever it is you do and wherever it is that you go, God wants to bring life change. He wants to water and nourish and he's looking to use you. He's looking to see if there's gonna be anybody that's gonna praise him in whatever they're going through so that that life change could happen. Breakthrough can happen. So how do we live a life of overflow? Worship is the way and how we live. And number two, worship makes a way. It's what God does. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your people. Lord, thank you for your word. 
thank you, Father God, that we can do life with you, that we are not alone, that we belong to you. Thank you for overflow, Lord God. Thank you for your presence, God. Help us to live in such a way that it is evident to all who see us, to all who come across our path, that there's something different about us. We are marked people, marked by your presence, marked by your joy, marked by your peace, marked by all that you are, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us to spend time with you, to incorporate you into our day-to-day. While we're at the gym working out, help us to worship you. While we're folding the laundry and we're cleaning up the house and we're preparing meals and we're trying to meet those deadlines at work and we're studying for those exams and whatever it is that we do, God, help us to incorporate you, to include you, to make you a part of our daily lives, Lord. This isn't just a Sunday thing, but we are Monday through Saturday Christians, Lord God. We live this out, Lord. Help us to make this our life. Worship. We love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. Well, this morning, I wonder if you can relate with the jailer. I just wonder if this pierces your heart in any way. And if you're honest with yourself, maybe your cup is empty. Maybe there is a prison inside of you and you do sense that there's more to life and you just haven't found it yet. But you've sensed the presence of God this morning. You couldn't quite put your finger on what it was, but you've sensed that God is here and he's grabbed your attention and Jesus is calling you to come to him. He says in Matthew 11, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? He says, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the life of overflow. It's a life with Jesus. It's a life that is lived freely and lightly. So let's close our eyes for just a minute longer. Jesus came, lived a perfect sinless life, took your sin upon himself, died a sinner's death, and rose again three days later so that you would experience life and life more abundantly. And I just wonder this morning in a room this size, if there's any of you that are ready to say yes to him, he's calling you to him. So this morning with every head bowed and every eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're like, yes, that's me. I feel Jesus calling me. I'm ready to make that decision. I'm ready to come to him. I'm ready to call him my Lord. I want you to just lift up your hands right now all over this place. Come on, lift up your hands. Don't wait till the midnight hour. The time is now. He's calling you back to him. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is faithful. Awesome. Well, when the jailer asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And we're all going to pray a simple prayer together. And if you made that decision, if you raised your hand or if you knew you should have, just believe these words in your heart. We're going to repeat after me, but just believe these words. Mean it with your whole heart. So let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I call on your name. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for me and were raised from the dead. And I call you Lord I call you savior. Thank you for your forgiveness. I receive you into my life. Help me to be the person you're calling me to be. 
Help me to experience overflow each and every day and help me to know you more. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Can we give God praise? That was the greatest miracle that could have ever taken place is life change. Life change. Church, let's stand to our feet this morning. We're not done yet. We're going to end our service with worship. What better way to end this series than worshiping him? And listen, I don't know if you're in the midnight hour or what you're, or what you're going through, but you've got every reason to worship. We're going to sing these words. I will bless your name in the morning. I'll bless your name in the evening. Every chance that I get, I'll bless your name this morning, church. Are you ready to worship him? Come on, sing this with the team. Here we go.